Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Philippians. Today is episode 654. We're looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Let's read our passage. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things, and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. This is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Paul's sending this letter to encourage them. He's thanking them for the monetary gift that they've sent him. And he's explaining why he's sending Epaphras back home since he had gotten sick. And now he's giving them some more warnings. He's basically saying, watch out for the Judaizers. He didn't name them, but... From the description, it's obvious that's who he's talking about. The Judaizers were Jews who had claimed to have become Christians, but were saying that in order for a Gentile to become a Christian, they must also become a Jew. That God had given circumcision for the people of God, and that if they want to be people of God, they need to be circumcised. God had given the Mosaic Law for the people of God, and if they want to be people of God, they need to follow the Mosaic Law. Now, the term Judaizer actually comes from Galatians 2.14, where Paul challenged Peter and said, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And the verb is Judaizo, which means to adopt Jewish customs and rituals. So that's where we get the term Judaizers. The problem is their confidence is in the flesh. Their confidence, that is what they're counting on for their future, is physical circumcision and physically following rules. So it's all based on what you do, you earning salvation. And Paul has basically said in the last time, well, if that's where their confidence is, I could top that. And he gives his Jewish resume. It would be very many Jews who could be able to top Paul's resume. Now, is he bragging, saying, I'm a better Jew than they are? No, no. what he's saying is he knows what he's talking about. That's where his confidence was. At least that's where it used to be. Now he knows better. So he, in the last section, gave his Jewish resume, very impressive from a physical, in-the-flesh perspective. Now he's saying, why that doesn't matter? So verse 7, he says, But everything that was a gain to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. So everything that was a gain to me. That is, all that stuff he just listed, all those impressive things in his Jewish resume. He capped that off as saying, as far as righteousness in the law, he was flawless. So if righteousness depended on being a good Jew, Paul had it down. But he said, no, that's not the case. There is no righteousness there. That's why I consider all that to be a loss. And it's because of Christ. He's using accounting terms here, gains and losses. 
it's like he's weighing the scales. What what is a gain and what is a loss? And he, where he said all that stuff I did, uh, being a, a Jew, being a Hebrew, being the tribe of Benjamin, being circumcised, being a Pharisee, all those were gains. At least I thought they were. But no, they're really a loss. Now, as you say, they're harmful. Well, not in of themselves. The harm is counting on them, trusting in them, making them your source of confidence. So that's where the harm is. There's not a harm in being a Jew, but if you think being a Jew has now made you right with God, there is harm in that. Now, verses 8 through 11 are a single sentence in the original Greek. So it's a big run-on sentence like Paul likes to do. But it's uh, it divides up very nicely. Verse 8, he says, More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So more than that means, okay, well, everything, all that Jewish stuff that I thought was so valuable, I now say is a loss. Even more than that, I consider everything not just all my Jewish heritage, but everything else to be a loss. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about anything where you could put your confidence, anything you could put your trust. Well, the things could be issues like money, Roman citizenship, possessions, position, anything where you could make that your source of confidence in your future. He says everything is at loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So compared to Christ, none of that stuff is worth anything, only knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, when he says knowing Christ, there's two different ways of taking no. There's no as far as knowledge, and there's no as far as having a relationship. And then his focus is on the relational aspect. There has to be knowledge. You have to know who it is you have a relationship with. So there is a knowledge aspect, but his focus is on the relational aspect, having a relationship with Christ. He continues, because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So because of him, because of Christ, because I do know Christ, because I have come to Christ in faith, I have suffered the loss of all things. Now, did somebody take his stuff away? He says, I've suffered the loss. Well, that's just the way he's speaking. And in, in the tenses, this is more of a middle voice mood of the verb, which just simply means it's something he did. And so it's not that somebody did this to him. It's he's voluntarily given up all this stuff. So I've suffered the loss, meaning I have basically released it all. Because all that counts is knowing Christ. I consider them as dung. So they're worthless. Anything outside of Christ is worthless. He has a so that. So I consider all that stuff dung so that I may gain Christ. And then into verse 9, and be found in him. And I think there he's basically saying the same thing he did before as far as knowing Christ. So he's talking about knowing Christ, gaining Christ, and being found in Christ. Is there a big difference in all those? They're all so tightly connected. Knowing Christ is having the relationship. Gaining Christ is growing in Christ. 
and being found means when it's all wrapped up in the end, that's where I am squarely as a follower of Christ. And he explains that that's not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. So righteousness is how he ended in verse 6 when he's giving his resume, saying that righteousness in the law, I was flawless. Well, now he's saying, but it didn't mean anything. Because there is no righteousness in the law. So here in verse 9, he's saying, not having a righteousness on my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. Continues, the righteousness from God based on faith. And this was the whole theme of the book of Romans was justification by faith. Where justification is the act of declaring one righteous. That only comes through faith. God declares us righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. Now, verse 10 and 11, he says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Focus here, my goal. So Paul says, at all that, here's what I really want to get, is to know him. That's the key part right there. My goal is to know him. Then he explains that a little bit further. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Then he says being conformed to his death. That really links to the fellowship of his suffering. And assuming I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. That really correlates back to the power of his resurrection. So he's really saying here, my goal is to know him. And then he's got basically two flavors of what that looks like. One is the power of the resurrection, and the other is being conformed to his death or fellowship of his suffering. Now, what's he mean by these things? Well, my goal is to know him. Back to, he means both kinds of know. Know about him, but mostly have a relationship with him. And if I do, then I'm going to experience the power of his resurrection. Now, the power of his resurrection is the power displayed by God in raising Jesus from the dead. And that's the power that we experience as we are raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. As we grow in our relationship with God, as we grow in spiritual maturity, as we grow in faithfulness, as we continue to grow in what we basically say transformation. The transformation that takes place during our lives is the power of the resurrection. And it's setting us up for that future resurrection. And Paul's basically, that verse 11, it sounds somehow like, I hope I get resurrected somehow. I think he's really saying to somehow, even in this life, rise above death, to rise above sin, rise above selfishness. So I think that's all linked together, the transformation. But then the fellowship of his suffering to conform to his death, that's just being dead to sin where the old self has died, and being united with Christ in suffering. To know Christ is to suffer for Christ. To serve Christ is to be engaged in physical suffering. I think through all this, Paul's just saying, everything that I had devoted my life to with being a good Jew didn't matter. It didn't count for anything. So it's worthless in that I was counting on it. 
that's where my confidence was. That's where my trust was for my future. But really, the only thing I can trust in is Christ. And that's what I want. That's all I want is Christ and Christ alone. To know Christ, to then also have experiences with Christ through the power of his resurrection, which is transformation in my life, and united with the fellowship of his suffering, conformed to his death, which is becoming more and more like him. That's Paul's goal. That should be our goal, too. And so the question is, how are we making steps toward it? Well, just by doing this study is one thing, being in God's Word on a regular basis. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Philippians 